This is One North Stories. Our goal here is quite simple. We provide hyper-local, brand-based storytelling at the intersection of science, technology, and business here in Singapore with a global perspective. We are starting with a launch series focused on technology startups, and then plan to take the podcast broader, telling our stories, your stories, about the Singapore deep tech ecosystem. Whether you work as a venture capitalist on Sand Hill Road or in Southeast Asia, already doing R&D in Singapore, or perhaps a student dreaming big about technology, or someone in between. Join us to learn about the exciting technology being developed in our labs in Singapore, their translation journeys to market, and the inspirational people coming together to make yesterday's dream reality. If you have future episode ideas, segment ideas, or want to partner with us on this exciting journey, please get in touch. Our contact details are in the show notes. These are our stories. We hope they inspire you to create your own. And now, on to the show. We bumped into each other again and, and the director was like, hey, you want to do something else with your life? <laughs> and I was like, sure, what do you got? <laughs> so, so that's how I was introduced to this uh, technology. Uh, your eyes will have erratic or irregular motion that OcuTrack then detects. Vision assessment and vision tests on a very convenient, unobtrusive manner. With greater monitoring, people are more aware of their condition and their condition is better treated and therefore prolonging their visual, visual field quality. And therefore, that's how we came out with the tagline, preserving the gift of sight. We managed to get the device from a large tens and thousands of dollars cost down to tens, tens of dollars. And since we are in AI, I think we are very versatile. Uh, a dream of mine would be a prediction of the disease, right? And or even prevention of the disease. For this episode, I've sat down with Mark Wong from OcuTrack, a four-year-old medtech AI company developing tools for remote monitoring of age-related macular degeneration with the aim for better testing compliance, more timely medical interventions, and thus delaying vision deterioration. OcuTrack is a venture built by Treadlines Group, originally out of Israel and now expanded into Singapore. They licensed the core technology from ASTAR and approached Mark to run the new venture. Mark shares about his pivot from academic-style research labs to a product-building startup, taking the core technology for gaze tracking and simplifying its deployment with an AI tool that can be used on a laptop or tablet, why they need approval as a medical device, different deployment scenarios based on geography and healthcare funding models, and what drives Mark, developing tools for the benefit of patients. Enjoy the interview. Hello, we are here at One North Stories, end of September, 2023. I have with me Mark Wong, the CEO of HockeyTrack. Welcome to One North Stories, Mark. Hello, thanks. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here. Could we start a little bit with your background, early interest in science, technology, entrepreneurship, education, experiences prior to OcuTrack? I, I come from a background of academia, so I was in research for a while. When I was young, I was very interested in biology and life sciences, it was called back then. So when I went on this path and I found that I had an in-tune calling for biomedical and bioengineering, and that's where... I did my studies, so 
I, I majored in biomedical and bioengineering. And I thought I'll go into a lifetime of R&D research. So I, I joined a research lab. I was from ASTAR for a couple of years and a couple of labs here and there, polytechnics. So I joined a digital health research lab, IoT lab. So the research that we're doing are really exciting. We were working on digital health applications, stem cells, tags, biotechs. So all these uh, were my last 10 years. So I worked on various R&D projects and published papers. So that, that gave me my background and experiences. And what, what led you directly to Accutrack then? Well... Or maybe indirectly. Well, that's a, that's a nice question. I get that, right? Uh, after, after many years in R&D, I realized that there was a big disparity between lab-based research and actually getting the technology to the patient or the person who actually needs it. So when we're working in a lab and when we're working with uh, uh, scientists and researchers, we have an idea of what might be needed. However, what researchers think that needs to be researched may or may not be what the actual problem on the ground is. So we realized this when we were doing clinical tests and interacting with patients on the ground and we realized there's a large gap between that. So I found a lot of the research I was doing was too far away from what will actually benefit the patient and I thought it was a nice transition and to, to jump over the other side and actually work on productizing the technologies that we claim are helping people to actually getting to the people itself. So that's, that's a big, I call it a valley between academia and actual products or commercialization. And I really want to see the technologies that we are building reach the, the men on the ground. That's, that's my, why I, I joined Occutrack. I understand that Occutrack did not originally start with you, but you came in quite early. Can you share how, how did that relationship start and then grow to you then taking over the company? Well, that's, that's a nice story. So Occutrack was founded by, is a venture built by Trendlines Group, a venture cap that invests in very early stage uh, uh, medtech technologies. So Trendlines Group is headquartered in Israel and they look at technologies and emerging technologies that will benefit the human condition. So what I like about Trendlines is they look at, they don't just look at large number diseases or afflicted conditions, but they look at conditions or diseases that could, unmet needs, right, that are underserved communities or disease conditions. So I, I met one of the directors many years back at a conference. So I was presenting another project and we, we had a chat and, and got to know each other. And then a couple of years down the road, we bumped into each other again and, and the director was like, hey, you want to do something else with your life? <laughs> and I was like, sure, what do you got? <laughs> so, so that's how I was introduced to this uh, technology and it started out with a simple pattern. So got a piece of paper, right? And that's when uh, Occutrack was born. So I was the founding CEO. I, I decided to make the leap over to, from academia to, to entrepreneurship. There were, there were several, several factors that 
guided my decision. One was I did spend a while in academia and after papers and journals and posters, I wanted to see something more out of it. And I thought that running a company to actually push the product out would be a great change, a real focus in the direction that I, of my goal of actually seeing the technology. So Trendline started it. Hey, would you like to join us? And I said, yes, why not? Let's go for it. Okay, and fantastic. Fantastic. So you said Trendline's there originally from Israel or started in Israel. They have a whole office here at, yes. at One North District in Singapore. That's right. So Trendline's Medical Singapore is a subsidiary of the Trendline's group, a traded company in, in Singapore. Okay. So back to Accutrack then. Accutrack, you have this tagline, preserving the gift of sight. So can you share a little bit? What does this mean to you guys? And at the very basic level, you know, how are you accomplishing this? Right. I, I came out of the tagline. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. Uh, so I believe our senses, uh, our human senses are, are both precious and fragile, especially our vision. So without vision, we can't do a lot of things. Our quality of life will be tremendously affected. Imagine not being able to see what you're eating, you're not, not being able to safely cross a road or commute or even read a book, right? So, so vision, our vision is precious. And the disease Occutrack is looking at right now is it's, a, it's called age-related macular degeneration. But this disease is a series of diseases known as posterior maculopathy. So parts of the eye gradually degrade over time. And this is an epigenetic condition. So that means as individuals age, the prevalence of the disease increases and they gradually lose portions of their visual field. So you can imagine not being able to see part of your vision is going to be concerning. And the whole, and the disease is unpredictable and irreversible. So when it starts and they're diagnosed, they will eventually lose their vision. So the only way to manage this disease today is constant monitoring and management through an injection in your eye. Now the injection is not comfortable. It's an literal injection into the eyeball. So what OcuTrack is doing is OcuTrack is tracking how the eye moves. These are known as optokinetic circuits. So if you can see something in your visual field, your eyes will naturally move towards it. You can't trick it. And if you don't, uh, your eyes will have an erratic or irregular motion that we OcuTrack then detects. So we, we are essentially a home-based vision assessment system that aims to do vision assessment and vision tests on a very convenient and unobtrusive manner. So hopefully with greater monitoring, people are more aware of their condition and their condition is better treated and therefore prolonging their visual, visual field quality. And therefore, that's how we came out of the tagline, uh, preserving the gift of sight. Okay, fantastic. And when implemented, this is just on a, on a handheld device or a laptop computer? Anything with the screen and a camera? Yeah, we spent a lot of time staring at screens and that, what, that was what guided our technology design. So it, right now, it works on any tablet or laptop. So there is minimum screen size that requires your eyes to move. Uh, so that's the minimum uh, requirement right now. And it's easy to, to look at a laptop or tablet. So any tablet or laptop will work with our technology. Let's talk a little bit about the technology and the application space. So you have this platform tagged the Aviga platform, automated vision assessment, 
and impairment detection through gaze analysis. So I, I want to break that down a little bit. We generically know about eye tracking. We hear about it, read about it in the news and tech media. But gaze tracking, maybe we, we don't hear so much. Is there a difference between gaze tracking and eye tracking? Not really. It's a matter of semantics. At least to Occutrex identical. There's no difference. Okay. Right? So you are looking at me, I'm looking at you, we are gazing or looking. It's it's the same thing. Essentially, your eye each eyeball has six muscles and that moves the eyeball. And whether you call that eye or gaze to Occutrex is immature is the same. Okay, thanks. Second question, a bit more substantive. I mean, eye tracking, it's not new technology. So can you Explain to us, you know, how do you use eye tracking? What do you add on to, you know, what others have done to eye tracking to make your technology, to make your use case quite unique? All right. So while, while eye tracking is not new, previous technologies required infrared illuminators. So it required proprietary hardware devices that illuminates the eye and creates fiducial gaze points that a camera, a proprietary camera then detects. So these Cameras were traditionally expensive and traditionally limited to academia or research applications. So we, we looked at it and we decided to transform the whole approach by avoiding complex hardware. And with the advancement of technology today, there's a, there's a subset of AI called machine vision. So we use ordinary cameras today. So that's one of the major difference that I'm proud that Occutrack has achieved. We use ordinary cameras. They're just fast. So which you, which your, which most modern cameras have. So with the availability of modern cameras, like faster, higher resolution webcams, it now enables gaze tracking to be done on low cost hardware. So that's part number one. Part, so that means our technology now becomes more accessible and more deployable as previously compared. That's one, with a reduction in cost. Number two, previous gaze tracking is it's one way. It means the individual only looks at stuff on the screen, right? Our AI tests this, so it's two-way. Our AI is actually reactive to the user's gaze. Think about a doctor doing the follow my finger test, right? Okay. So the doctor is moving his finger in a... In a in a linear fashion from left to right and your eyes follow the finger, the tip of the finger. Now, our AI is doing this in a much more advanced way. Uh, it tracks, for example, if you're looking top left, our AI knows you're looking top left and it deliberately generates generative patterns on other areas of your visual field. So in a sense, in essence, it is not a linear, dumb, one-way track. It is a interactive double double direction tests that forces the user to move in a specific motion and that our AI can then score the function. So it is it is a synergy of modern AI and and high speed cameras and that enables our system to be rapidly deployable on low cost platforms without the need for expensive optics. Okay, fantastic. And then like you said, I mean it's testing how your vision stays the same or deteriorates and thus let's say your eyes ability to see what's in the peripheral of, of what your first gaze or first focus point is. that's yeah in essence that's that's that so we are if you can see the pattern you see it and you get a score so let's say we present 
the AI presents 10 targets in a pseudo-random, unique pattern. And if you see all of them, you, you get a good score. And if you don't, we know which portions of visual quadrants are afflicted. And therefore, there could be an indicative of an issue. So simple, no interaction, just look at the screen and therefore quantitative function. The power of our technology is the vision assessment is no longer subjective to a human test, but an AI is now uh, quantitatively testing this visual field of the individual. And then ideally, you know, for follow-ups, I mean, this is in the home, not at a clinic, not at a center. Yeah. So if there's an issue detected by the AI, it's, it's an early, early intervention. Go and, go and get yourself checked out in the hospital. Okay, great. So you talked a little bit like the founding of the company. You said there, were, there was a piece of IP to build the company. How have you guys developed on that core IP since the foundation of the company? So the core IP came nicely from academia. So I felt uh, intuitively personal. So that was great. And the background IP is vision assessment as a pattern filed by A-Star. Okay. All right. So A-Star put the piece of technology together gaze tracking together with the method for uh, vision assessment. And then when it came to me, it, it used expensive proprietary cameras, as I mentioned earlier, which is, which is why I decided early on to move away from. So we had an exclusive license to the vision assessment method, and we built upon that. So I looked at the, the background. It was great and all that. But there were several hurdles that needed to be corrected in order to reach productization. For example, the code was based on proprietary software too. So that was uh, not going to be too suitable moving forward to commercialization. So I converted the whole architecture. That was one. And we mentioned earlier about proprietary cameras. I moved away from that too. And that required some retweaking of the technology. And essentially... This whole translational research process is quite different from basic research. So there is a, there's a big need for translational research or conversion research R&D to make a technology productized to reach the market. Okay, fantastic. Reaching the market. That, that's our next section. You guys are, are testing or is this, let's say, fully field deployed or still kind of testing with doctors to, to see if and how it helps improve their workflows? Yeah, I'm proud to say that we have completed our first in-man study. So there was 187 patients that proved our, that our technology works for age-related macular degeneration. And right now, we are halfway through our longitudinal trial. So we target 100 patients, and we now have about 80. And so in terms of the method, the technology works nicely. We're happy with the preliminary results. And to answer your question, there are some observational tweaks that we have found here and there. Like maybe this UI could be placed here, this uh, pattern could be generated this way. But they're all tweaks and improvements and optimizations along the way. And the technology is validated. Right now it's getting to market. So that means cost optimization, scaling up, DFMA or design for manufacturing and assembly. These are all factors that we now need to consider. And therefore, the design could change slightly in its form factor along the way. Okay. So if someone was listening to this overseas and, and they contacted you, would they be able to like get a trial or still kind of need to clear a couple more hurdles before you kind of 
take in customers? That's a, that's a good question. Well, we are in our trial stage right now. So if you are interested in participating as a trial participant or volunteer, do, do reach out to me. Uh, we are in the process of uh, planning for and organizing our multi-site trial. This will be for FDA clearance. So reach out to me and we can chat. I think right now we have the flexibility and the facility, versatility to, to adapt and to, to look at various requests. Our first disease is age-related macular degeneration, but there are many peripheral diseases that has the same symptoms and management regime. So that's why Occutrex is so exciting. We can manage other visual field or posterior maculopathies and retinopathies diseases as well. I, I'll be exploring them as we grow and I'll be happy to hear and work with partners and corporates who would like to take this technology and integrate into their workflow or their technology processes. Okay, I have a, I have a very ignorant question. Everything you've described is, or sounds to me like, it's, it's a non-invasive observational test that, that you're running. So is that considered like a medical test or, or not? And what kind of, what's that distinction? Because you, you, you mentioned FDA clearance that, that you're working towards. That's right. So the whole thing is non-invasive. That's right. So it's like an eye exam, right? Since let's talk about the typical eye exam, a visual equity test where you stare at a couple of letters or numbers on a board from a certain distance. That's known as the Snellen chart. That is a medical eye exam. Okay. So that is non-invasive, but it's still, um, there's a medical diagnostic outcome that comes out. So our technology is similar. We are a medtech class one medical device. So we are not a health, uh, health and wellness, health and wellness okay. category. Yes. Okay. So that, that's it. Like the medical outcome from the test is kind of the distinction yeah. there. Our medical, our, our results, our report will mm. guide clinical decisions. Okay. So all your tests right now, is it Singapore only, or do you also, do you currently have testing partners overseas? We are currently based in Singapore. We are exploring our expansion, expansion into areas like the States. So the States is our next market that we're looking at, the Europe, EU and China. So these are areas that we have filed protection in. Okay. Um, I had a question. Um, you answered it a little bit. Maybe you can go a little bit deeper. This initial use case for, for the macular degenerative disease. And then after that, you said there's multiple eye diseases that could use a similar test. Yes. Do you then need to, for each of these eye diseases, let's say change what you're actually testing? How, how would that work? Or how would you pivot the core technology to expand what you can measure? So the, the core technology is vision assessment through gaze. The thing about medical technologies or med tech is your technology or your device, right, must be, must go through a trial for an indicated use. So they call that indication, indicated disease or indication for use, IFU, right? And it must be uh, penned to a single disease state. So you cannot, unless you test for it, you can't say that your technology works on all diseases. Okay. So essentially you need to do a trial, but using the same method and technology. Okay. Fantastic. And then let's say you, you get to market. How do you then, I'll say, penetrate the market? Are you going to be the ones yourself, OcuTrack, let's say, selling into clinics? Or do you kind of need distribution partners, people with already established sales channels to, to help you proliferate? 
That's a very nice question. I think right now we are pretty fluid. I'll be happy to discuss with distributors and hospitals. We have very supportive hospitals. As I'm right now, I have a couple of hospitals interested to deploy my technology. In essence, we have very supportive partners. So whether it's through the hospital or through a distribution channel or through a KOL, I, I'm, I'm open to all those options as of this point. Okay, sorry. What, what's a KOL? KOL is a key opinion leader. Okay. For example, a very a respected or renowned practitioner in the field. And in our case, we are looking at senior ophthalmologists. Okay, so senior ophthalmologists. Thanks. What about, let's say, healthcare groups? I mean, groups of hospitals, even better if, if they can kind of wholesale bring your technology in? Yeah, we are looking at uh, one of the challenges with uh, larger hospital groups. Will be, they will require... Uh, certified devices and not so much so uh, devices under development or yet to be certified. So there, there, come, there are some workflow processes that we need to work around when we talk about bigger groups. And what I've found or in my experience, bigger groups will require a lot more established or a little more late stage technologies rather than where we are right now. Okay. Maybe talk a little bit on a peripheral to that because ultimately what you're developing is is an at-home test. Yes. Are there, let's say, peripheral routes to market, kind of leveraging an emerging way of, of healthcare, of trying to do more telemedicine, or does that kind of all go back through the through the major medical groups? Or are there new business models that, that people are coming up that you can leverage to, to shortcut for proliferation of your technology? So that's the exciting part of where we are right now as a startup. We could do a B2B model. We would work with hospitals and hospitals could determine a certain pricing. Or we could work B2C. Uh, that means we sell direct to customers, but that would be difficult. That means we need to manage uh, downstream customers along the way. So I'm more inclined to a B2B2C. Uh, let me explain how that works. So that means a doctor from a hospital will prescribe the device. So if it's prescription, patients are more inclined to to maintain the regime, okay. right? If a doctor says you better use this, right? Then the doc, the patient are like, oh, okay, I better I better use this, rather than having leaving it to the patient to decide for themselves, right? So we found that compliance is slightly better, right? improved when it's prescription based. That means we will be working with doctors directly and not patients. Getting people to use the device after prescription, right? I assume it's browser based. Is that yes? Is that correct? That's right. Does it then, I'll say, need to be account-based, let's say login-based? And then, I mean, some people like logins, some people just like hate it. Like, I don't want another new account. Yeah. I don't want another new account. How do you, or have you thought about, let's say, that barrier for, for the patients to overcome? Right. I, I've heard that before. I don't think that's a barrier at all. So most patients will have some sort of patient account with the hospital or their caregiver already. So it could be packed to their ID, could be packed to various forms of personal identification, right? Or in Singapore's case, it would be SingPass. So we could work with the hospitals, packed to their EHR, their, their electronic health records, right? And then work as a very free to that portion. So we are add-on technology or add-on platform to that. And there are, many, there are many telemedicine platforms today, each of them claiming or purporting their own strengths. And we see various models in the market that we are looking at, but I don't think that's a barrier or it's going to be a major 
obstacle for us. Okay, so for a, like a, from a lay perspective, you'd kind of be like an applet inside of someone else's telemedicine that the doctor prescribes. That could be one model. Whether it's suitable for OcuTrack, I've yet to say, but it could be our own. We already have our own platform, right? We can work with other p- larger platforms. I'm open to, like I mentioned, we're open to to working together on other, with other corporates. So as we are, we will be a telemedicine platform and how that platform takes its shape and size, it's, it's something that we are engineering at the moment. Okay. So kind of open for discussion based on yeah. your partner, your go-to-market partners. Yes, that's right. Your deployment partners. And that's going to, again, be maybe a little bit different depending on the healthcare group or the country. That's right. So it, I think it's going to be very different in each geographical location. What we have seen in the Asian markets and the United States, the state markets is the model to be very different. The demographic and geographic uh, appetites are also different. Even pricing models and reimbursement models is going to be different. So we will have to design different approaches to suit different markets. Okay. Just curious, do the insurance companies get involved in this at all, or are you kind of leave that to, to the healthcare provider? Uh, yes, we have to involve the insurance companies because that will affect patient decisions very, very distinctively. So we, that's part of our reimbursement model. So we will talk to insurance, we will talk to various reimbursement modes, and as shared, it differs from uh, country to country. Okay. So... We've talked a little bit about the, the immediate future. I mean, you're in a test, get approvals, get to market phase right now. Where do you see the company going after that? Let's say three years. And then if you dream to, to 10 years, what would be your medium and then long-term vision for Occutrack? My, my vision for the company is I want to see the, the patient on the ground who is in pain and uncomfortable actually benefiting from this. That's really what drives my my motivation every day. So in three years, I would like to see this in the market in a growth stage, right? Where we see patients using it and the, our technology benefiting their quality of life. And in 10 years, I expect technology to have grown as well and to have the AI to have matured. And I expect that we are now looking at other diseases and conditions that have that can be measured through optokinetic response, which is the eye gaze movement. And maybe even to be able to run this on a mobile device. So like a phone, which will be very, I can only imagine how advanced mobile phone is going to be in the near future, right? It could be holographics. It could be so many newfangled technologies. And since we are an AI, I think we are very versatile. Our AI, who knows? I mean, uh, a dream of mine would be a prediction of the disease, right? And or even prevention of the disease. That would be super cool, in my opinion. Occutrack, you're, you're four years approximately into this journey. Yes. What's going well? And you know, what, what do you wish could have gone better? Our inception was right at the the beginning of COVID and we rode through the entire COVID. So I was very, uh, I'm proud of my company and, and the support that we have gotten both from A-Star and from Trendlines to actually ride through that major storm. And during COVID, what was difficult was how do you conduct trials at home? It's, it's difficult, right? 
at the end of the day, the patient still needs to get an injection and still needs to see a doctor. So that was that was that was an interesting journey to say the least. And we got through that very nicely. So we we even managed to do a cost down of the technology. We did a lot of software and AI training work remotely as well. And the major achievements that we did was we found new IP and we managed to get the device from a large tens and thousands of dollars cost down to tens, tens of dollars. So massive cost savings in terms of the design of, of the device and the technology as well as the operation. So we achieved all that in the last two, three years. Okay, fantastic. As you shared at the beginning, you come from this academic research background. We're proposed something new something different, you took the plunge. What would you have told yourself five years ago as you were contemplating this journey? Or so other potential founders who are finding themselves in your shoes four, five, six years ago. What would you tell yourself? Happy that, that, that you've taken it or kind of wish, <laughs> wish you'd, you'd stayed, stayed in place? That's, that's a very thought-provoking question. I reflect myself very often. Uh, I don't regret anything. Right. So everything we do has to move towards a goal or a purpose. And, and I will be honest. Entrepreneurship is tough. It's difficult. There are, there are, there's no textbook or guideline for entrepreneurship. You're going to see a lot of advice, experiences, opinions, and they're all going to differ because the time and space and environment were all different, right? The opportunities were different. Some technologies could be too early. Some technologies has no market fit. Some, some teams don't, don't uh, have synergy. So whatever the reason is, uh, entrepreneurship is difficult, right? Unlike science, where science is very... So I'm very comfortable in science because it's, it, it is explainable by scientific principles. But entrepreneurship has a lot of uh, unknowns, uh, that you need to navigate. So what would I have told myself five years ago? I would have maybe shared you should have done it a bit earlier. Done a bit earlier. Yeah. Fantastic. So there's, there's no better time starting than now, right? So if you think of doing it, start now. Start now. I mean, you, you shared entrepreneurship's tough. It's difficult. You're navigating. And everyone's navigating a bit differently, like you said, in, in space, time, geography, technology, market opportunity. Can you talk a little bit more about the partnerships that, that, that have gotten you through these, these last five years? I mean, you talked a little bit about trend lines, talked a little bit about A-Star, anything else that, that you really relied on for guidance over these years and into the future? Well, trend lines uh, works very closely as an incubator. So we have, my board has uh, provided tremendous corporate guidance in the experience. And even so, the environment and the time and space is now different. And post-COVID, things were slightly different as well. So you still need to decide as a, as a founder, as a leader of the company, what direction you choose to take, right? So, and what I could advise is you need to find support groups that, that understand what you're going through. And typically, you'll be another founder, right? So another company's founder or another startup's founder will give you very interesting insights or even ideas that could help you make uh, that 
for example, if I'm pondering over a problem that nobody has a solution for, it could be a simple coffee chat that breaks that mental barrier to give an idea to move forward. So, so while everybody has some opinions and ideas and thoughts and experiences, at the end of the day, it's all this material that you need to digest and make a decision for yourself. And my guiding principle is the goal of the company, which is for OcuTrack is a vision assessment. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Before we wrap up, anything else you want to mention or plug? If you wish to follow up, I'm happy to chat coffee anytime you know how to reach me. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share about OcuTrack and how we are working towards preserving the, the gift of sight. Thank you, Mark. People can find you, find your company physically at the One North District yes. in Singapore. Online, what's the best way to connect with you? Well, we have our social media, LinkedIn and our website, yeah, email. We are, we are AI, right? So <laughs> you can find us anytime. Okay, great. Thanks for your time, Mark. Thank you. And with that, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help to grow the show by sharing with a friend or colleague. Please also hit like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to look out for future episodes as we explore the intersection of science, technology, and business in Singapore together.